What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 288 on Now You Know. And you know, we're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help us support bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know, and there you're going to find some awesome perks. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's show. Now, I think if what we've all been going through for the past two years has taught us anything is that we should look for ways to be healthier. You've been drinking Athletic Greens pretty much every day now for a while. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I've been feeling just better since I started drinking AG1 every day. So what's in it? What's not in it? Tons of organic ingredients. It has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients all in one convenient daily serving. And I like what's not in it. No GMOs, no herbicides, no pesticides, no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, no gluten, no dairy, no corn, no eggs, no peanuts, no animal byproducts, no lactose, sucrose, or dextrose. But wouldn't a capsule be more convenient? Well, because you mix AG1 with water, it's actually more efficiently absorbed by your body. One scoop or travel packet, eight ounces of water every day, that's it. It's just so green. I know, right? Super green. It looks like it would taste like grass, but actually my Athletic Greens AG1 tastes really good. I mean, ever since you had me taste it, I've added Athletic Greens to my weekly routine. I've been replacing my occasional cup of coffee with AG1 to get a boost of energy without a typical coffee crash. I like that AG1 supports my immunity with my daily dose of vitamin C, zinc, healing mushrooms, and more. So go to the link in the description now, athleticgreens.com slash now you know, to get a gear supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five travel packs for free with your first purchase. To get your athletic greens, head over to athleticgreens.com slash now you know. And we're brought to you by bigbattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour guaranteed. Their batteries are easily installed, require zero maintenance, and they're made right here in the U.S. Pick up yours today at bigbattery.com and use the code now you know for 5% off at checkout. Tesla has started sending out invitations to Tesla customers in Europe waiting for their Model Ys for a Giga Berlin delivery event on March 22nd. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, this is going to be one of the biggest stories for Tesla and EVs in 2022. Mark my words. The Model Y arriving in Europe. Most people outside of our little bubble have no idea what the Model Y is, let alone how popular a car it is. It checks off so many boxes with most potential car buyers. And as we can see here from this chart of Tesla vehicle deliveries from Hypercharts, the green is the Model Y. You know what? Let's make it even easier to see. Let's go to an annual chart from the quarterly chart. See how the green Model Y blocks and the yellow Model 3 blocks, those are for 2021, are almost the same. Right? Okay. So Model Y's numbers, even if they stay the same as the Model 3 going forward, mean an almost doubling of Tesla deliveries. I mean, just wait until the Model Y hits European roads. Uh, German car companies especially are going to feel it. They are going to feel it. <laughs> Tesla's director for Northern Europe, Axel Tangen, sent an email last week to Tesla employees telling them how Tesla is helping Ukraine. Yeah, not only has Tesla given free supercharging throughout Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland for Tesla and other EV drivers, but get this, Tesla is sending Powerwalls, gateways, and solar panels to the Ukraine. 
Yeah, they made the video that you're seeing here explaining how to easily hook up the power walls to the gateway and to the solar inverter in the panels. Now, they're just kind of plugging stuff in. I didn't know it was this easy to set up, uh, you know, power walls and stuff like that. Well, the letter explains that 40 plus Tesla employees in Europe, probably at Giger Berlin, worked to preassemble the power walls so that they were essentially plug and play with AC cables made by Tesla suppliers and spare scrap from Giger Berlin. Wow. So they really busted their butt to, to make these things that you can just plug and play, keep them in the boxes. That's amazing. Yeah, according to the letter, they did this in about three days. Wow. Not only this, but Tangan explains that for any Tesla employee who is a Ukrainian national and has been asked to return to Ukraine for active duty as a reservist, we will maintain their employment and salary for three months with a view to assessing after this period as needed. Okay, so I mean, like if I'm a Tesla employee at Fremont and I'm not from Ukraine, I can't just hop on a flight to Poland, slip across the border and start fighting for Ukraine, right? I mean, you could, but Tesla's not going to pay you three months salary That's for not that. what they're saying. No. Right? It's, a, it's this, a rather small number of people. This is for there. Ukrainian nationals who are asked to return. Not clear what proof you would show Tesla or how many people we're talking about here. I don't know if like you get an email and you just like show your supervisor like, gotta go. Right. Tesla isn't becoming a mercenary outfit no. or anything like that, although it would make a great movie. Although, I mean, Mikhailo Fedorov uh, from Ukraine said, received the second shipment of Starlink stations. Elon keeps his word. Thank you for supporting Ukraine and peace in the entire world. And Elon said, you're welcome. We've also sent power adapters for car cigarette lighters, solar battery packs and generators for places where electricity is not available. And I mean, you know, we covered the story last week where they sent the Starlink terminals. Now they're sending more Starlink more terminals. Starlink. I mean, I have heard from a U.S. general who has been very impressed with the Starlink system. Um, he's just like, huh, we got to get some of these. And I think they the, must have them. I already. think that the military is going to be very uh, I mean, there's so many like Matt Green ones. Maybe. But I mean, like in a military application, that's kind of a thing that you want. Oh, high def video feed mm -hmm. from a drone. That's so much better than like uh, coordinates uh, six, eight, nine, two, one, seven. Like that doesn't help you as much as like, oh, it's that blue house. OK, sir, I got your radio going. <laughs> right. What's cool is how fast they were able to do all of this. Well, they've done it before. I mean, think about how many times Tesla has sent panels to places like Puerto Rico after a hurricane. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about it in tweets of the week this week. By the way, that's a separate show. When Fukushima happened, Tesla was there, too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just think this is one of those stories that the news, again, has a really hard time covering because they're just like, well, we have to maintain that we hate Elon Musk, um, but he is doing this really great stuff. Um, well, good for him. But also, uh, here's a tweet that we don't like. He's a jerk. NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, you know, the government agency in charge of regulating U.S. roads, on Thursday has officially changed one of their rules. Oh, great. Now, what is it this time? Let me guess. Yes, all EVs now have to have even louder noisemakers when traveling at, at low speeds, faster speeds. Nope, this is uh, this one's actually a good one. Okay. According to Reuters, U.S. regulators on Thursday issued their final rules eliminating the need for automated vehicle manufacturers to equip fully autonomous vehicles with manual driving controls to meet crash standards. Can you uh, translate this, please? First of all, this is a 155 page update, so there's a lot of stuff in here. But this part basically says that cars that are built from the ground up to be fully autonomous don't need to have steering wheels. So is a Tesla built from the ground up to be autonomous? That's a good question. The rules say cars must, quote, continue to provide the same high levels of occupant protection as current passenger vehicles. Uh, yes. I mean, I would argue that Teslas are full self-driving built vehicles. But I mean, they don't really have the full software stack yet. So it'd be, kind right. of be annoying if you took delivery of your car and instead of all the people complaining about the uh, the yoke, it's just there's no steering wheel. 
And they said, well, it's all yours <laughs> there, Sonny Boy. As soon as they got the full self-driving that they're working, you're going to be on the road. I'm impressed for all those people. We've been talking about this for years. A lot of people have said, yeah, well, maybe Tesla can do it, but the regulators will never allow it. They're kind of out in front this time, which is surprising. Yeah. My guess is that this comes from, for instance, GM's Cruise and other U.S. automakers that have been also working on autonomy and are lobbying lawmakers to make sure that their cars can drive autonomously. Because don't forget, like the Origin, which is, you know, GM's autonomous vehicle is starting to drive right now in, in certain cities. I see. So this would mean that instead of there being like this beautiful interior and then like a steering wheel and you're like, what's behind? Why is there a steering wheel in this car? Right. The car wouldn't need to have one. There's a lot of talk in this document, by the way, about uh, what should happen with kids. Can kids be allowed to sit in the driver's seat? Because no one's ever thought of that before. But now, <laughs> technically, you could sit in the, quote, driver's seat. And, you know, would you have to have airbags there? You know, you have to think of a whole bunch of things you never thought of before. Well, I mean, it's, it, I'm just glad that we're moving forward. I know that a lot of people are going to go, oh, no, 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 stop. <laughs> Change Don't is put bad. the kids in the driver's seat. <laughs> but, I mean, if we think about it. In terms of this isn't the 1950s anymore. And no, it's not. See? <laughs> so the price of gas, as we've all seen, is going up fast. And I mean, who knows how far this will go? We'd like to start a community-wide program that we're calling EVs, EVs to, to the, the rescue. rescue. What we're asking our EV owners out there to do is talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers, and offer them EV carpooling. Yeah, we need to pull together and help each other out. EV carpooling is going to do four great things. Number one, it's going to help your neighbors, your coworkers, and your friends save money. Heck, it's going to save you some money, too, because I'm sure your passengers will Venmo you some money to help pay for your electrons. Number two, it's going to get butts into EV seats. You'll get to show everyone how awesome EVs are, the torque, the quiet, the efficiency, and you'll be able to dispel some of those tired EV myths on your rides. Yeah, you'll be educating people who will then be much more likely to go buy an EV. Number three, you're going to feel good. You're going to be solidifying relationships, helping people in a very scary time when all they see are rising gas prices. And number four, you're going to be reducing traffic. That's right. Less cars on the road means less traffic. So for all these great reasons, we urge you to do this today. And please share these carpooling stories, photos and video with us on Community Mail Time so we can inspire others and show the world how awesome our EV community is. And we've also got these bumper stickers. If mm -hmm. you want to be showing other road users what they could be doing, mm -hmm. um, we've got EVs to the rescue bumper stickers. Uh, because if you're saving someone from high gas prices, uh, I think you deserve to wear a symbol on your chest like Superman. Speaking of rising prices, nickel prices are soaring by about 100 percent. I'm so high. Wow, look at that chart. Maybe because of this, Tesla has raised the price of the Model Y and the Model 3 long-range variants. Now, obviously, those two versions have a high nickel content in their batteries. Tesla raised the price of the Model 3 by $1,000 from $5,990 to $51,990. That's about a $4,000 increase since last year at this time when the Model 3 cost $48,000. The Model Y long range and performance went up by $1,000 also. The Model Y long range has gone up by $10,000 over the past 12 months. So if that doesn't show the incredible demand for the Model Y, I don't know what does. Morgan Stanley told investors that this recent nickel price surge would have about a $1,000 impact on the price of an EV battery. And it looks like they were right. And this is just funny to me because if Rivian had just waited a few more weeks, they could have had a better reason for raising prices. That's a really good point. It um, would have been easy to point to a chart of nickel and been like, not our fault. 
Or they could have taken a leaf out of Tesla's playbook and just slowly been increasing the mm -hmm. price um, because no one seemed to notice that the Model Y increased in price. Exactly. So Elon and Grimes just had a new baby. It's a girl. Her name is Exa Dark Sidereal Musk, or Y for short. Okay, wait. First of all, that's great news for Elon and Grimes. Congratulations. This is also Elon's first daughter. Uh, she has six brothers, by the way. Um, but can we talk about the name for a second? Sure. Exa is a, quote, reference to the supercomputing term exaflops, the ability to perform one quintillion floating point operations per second. Okay. And how about dark? Dark is representative of, quote, the unknown. People fear it, but truly it's the absence of photons. Dark matter is the beautiful mystery of our universe. And sidereal? How do you pronounce it? Sidereal. Sidereal is both a special nod to Grimes' favorite Lord of the Rings character, Galadriel, as well as an elven spelling of Sidereal, or the true time of the universe, star time, deep space time, not our relative Earth time. Sounds like Elon got his way on this one. Grimes said, I was fighting for Odysseus Musk. A girl named Odysseus is my dream. Okay. And then why for short, though? Yeah, so little X and Y now. I don't want to be rude here, but I don't think that I saw Grimes being pregnant right um so according to the vanity fair article they used a surrogate this time and it sounds like they plan on having more kids together so um, maybe grimes will get her way and uh, the next child will be named odysseus okay and odysseus keep that in mind if you're watching elon's tweets of the week this week because that will come into play then hmm. okay so everyone watching the show by now probably knows about Elon's saga with the SEC, right? The SEC has been policing Elon's Twitter ever since Elon posted the famous 420 tweet back in 2018. Well, Elon is sick of it. According to the Wall Street Journal, in a motion filed in Manhattan federal court, Mr. Musk's lawyers argued that the Twitter oversight policy has become unworkable, while the Securities and Exchange Commission has abused the deal to make round after round of demands for voluminous, costly document productions with no signs of abatement. In the new court filing, Elon argued that he decided to take the SEC settlement back in 2018, which was a fine, and the SEC policing his Twitter account for, quote, Tesla's immediate survival, as he thought that the ongoing battle with the SEC could prevent Tesla from raising money. Yeah, Elon said, I never lied to shareholders. I would never lie to shareholders. I entered the consent decree for the survival of Tesla for the sake of its shareholders. And remember that Elon did say a couple weeks ago, I didn't start the fight, but I will finish it. So is this him finishing the fight or is there more to come? There's definitely going to be more to come. Yeah, it sounds like the SEC has just been having a field day um, asking for all sorts of documents, which, of course, is expensive. You might be like, well, you just send a word file. It's like, no, it always involves lawyers and lawyers are expensive. It does sound like Elon has a bit of a point here. I don't think that the judge is just going to throw this out necessarily. I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea. But to me, it sounds like the lawyer is going to be like, well, SEC, just stop being a jerk, um, but keep doing whatever it is we agreed to. Hopefully the judge watches Tesla Time News. <laughs> Don't think they do. Tesla's FSD beta 10.11 was just released. Now, I don't think we got it yet in our cars, but the release notes hint at some big improvements. Let's take a look. Okay. Upgraded modeling of the lane geometry from dense rasters bag of points to an autoregressive decoder that directly predicts and connects vector space lanes point by point using a transformer neural network. This enables us to predict crossing lanes, allows computationally cheaper and less error-prone post-processing, and paves the way for predicting many other signals and the relationships jointly and end-to-end. -end. So translate that? They're going to have a better driving model, and that's going to equate to better driving. Yeah, Elon said, Vector Lanes is a particularly significant architectural improvement to Tesla AI. 
So he picked that one out as one that he likes. There's more, though. Use more accurate predictions of where vehicles are turning or merging to reduce unnecessary slowdowns for vehicles that will not cross our path. Uh, the translation for that would be, you know how humans are pretty good at predicting what other cars are trying to do? Well, now Tesla's AIs are going to be better at it as well. Improve right away understanding if the map is inaccurate or the car cannot follow the navigation. In particular, modeling intersection extents is now entirely based on network predictions and no longer uses map-based heuristics. So have you ever gotten to an intersection that doesn't line up with the map? Take a left into the lake. <laughs> right. It does. You're like, uh, I don't think I don't think I can do that. Now, uh, full self-driving is going to basically have the ability to go. I, I got this. I think I'm going to take this route. So vision first, map second. I, I guess. I, I don't know how exactly that's going to work. Improve the precision of VRU detections by 44.9%, dramatically reducing spurious false positive pedestrians and bicycles, especially around tar seams, skid marks, and raindrops. This was accomplished by increasing the data size of the next-gen auto labeler, training network parameters that were previously frozen, and modifying the network loss functions. We find that this decreases the incidence of VRU-related false slowdowns. Now, I don't know why they have to use VRU. It doesn't mean vapor recovery unit. It means vulnerable road user, like a pedestrian or a bicyclist. Um, so Tesla used more data to make the car recognize pedestrians and cyclists better. So now the car will have less phantom braking. Reduce vehicle parked attribute error rate by 17% achieved by increasing the database size by 14%. It's going to know that it's a parked car better. Improved clear to go scenario velocity error by 5% and highway scenario velocity error by 10% achieved by tuning loss function targeted at improving performance in difficult scenarios. So this one, as they say, is targeted at improving difficult scenarios. So I think it's going to be for those situations where you like really need to get over. You really need to get into the intersection and stuff like that. Improved detection and control for open car doors. I think everyone gets that one. Improve smoothness through turns by using an optimized based approach to decide which road lines are irrelevant for control given lateral and longitudinal acceleration and jerk limits as well as vehicle kinematics. This one I'm very happy about. It's going to be nicer, better, smoother turning. Um, a lot of times it seems like the car goes into the intersection and then gets spooked by some line and it goes like, boom, boom, and you're like, oh my God, you know, and you're just like, oh. but now I think it's going to kind of be like, I'm going to take this left and then it will just take the left. Improved stability of the FSD UI visualizations by optimizing the Ethernet data transfer pipeline by 15%. Obviously. Right. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, do I even need to explain that one? No, but seriously, it's a faster throughput, which means that the computer can work faster. Reduce the predicted velocity error of very close by motorcycles, scooters, wheelchairs, and pedestrians by 63.6%. To do this, we introduce a new data set of simulated adversarial high-speed VRU interactions. This update improves autopilot control around fast-moving and cutting-in VRUs. So this is going to be better at handling dense pedestrian and bike traffic around the car. I think that this is where you want to use simulations. You don't want to have to rely on full self-driving users to be in situations where, you know, a bike is going to cut in front of them and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, you train for situations that you think are dangerous, and then you basically trick the neural network into learning it, even though it didn't have any real data associated with it. Improved creeping profile with higher jerk when creeping starts. So this is going to be faster creep, not that ultra slow creep that nobody does. Improve control for nearby obstacles by predicting continuous distance to static geometry with the general static obstacle network. 
I guess this is basically better mapping of things like telephone poles and construction cones. I can't wait to get out there and test it. And FSD Pilot says, finally, now we just have to wait a day, maybe two. Maybe Elon will expand the beta program with this release. The peasants are getting restless. Elon said, if this version performs well, we can probably lower the minimum safety score to 95. That'll make a lot of people happy. Interesting. Okay. Steven still won't get it, though. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate it if you just hit that like button. It'll only take a second and it'll help us out a lot. And Tesla Time News is sponsored by Cybertruck owners club yeah we couldn't do the show without our sponsors and remember there you can find a crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update and find out where you are in line you can check out their website for cybertruck news discussions and community for cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners so we had some fun in the snow recently with some e-bikes on our now let's review channel yeah ethan and i wanted to see how different e-bikes with different motors and different tires would do in snowy conditions so what did you learn well, you'll want to check out our video over on the Now Let's Review channel, but suffice to say, there was a bike that did really well and a couple that didn't. Now, this was just for fun or did you actually learn anything? I mean, it was fun, but that said, I learned best by doing and experiencing things firsthand. And we're in a unique position here at Now Let's Review. We've got plenty of e-bikes that we can test. So we learned a few things firsthand. Uh, we even experimented a bit to see if we can improve the ride. And we show you all of that too. So head on over to Now Let's Review and check out that video. And let me know in the comments what else you'd like us to test. We should test our world's first electric snow scooter video here versus an e-bike in the snow. Except that all the snow melted. Oh. So we can't control the weather. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Not yet. SpaceX launched 48 more Starlink satellites on March 9th from Cape Canaveral. Time to let the American broomstick fly and hear the sounds of freedom. LD is go for launch. Five, four, three, two, one. Engine full power. And liftoff, Falcon 9, Falcon The American Broomstick, of course, a dig at director of Roscosmos, Dmitry Rogozin. He had said that he didn't know how the United States would fly to the ISS or anywhere else in space without Russian-made rocket engines, claiming that we'd have to try broomsticks. So predictably, we'd call any rocket launching uh, the next week from U.S. soil a broomstick. And of course, that's going to be the Falcon 9 because it launches pretty much every week. I think we're going to need to make a t-shirt. <laughs> So last year, we talked about how American manufacturer Polaris came out with their electric Ranger powered by zero motors. And I thought that they did a great job marketing it. Uh, they covered so many positives of EVs, and they also made a really cool EV to boot. Well, now Polaris is working on several new EV models, an ATV for both youth and adults, a version of their Razor side-by-side, -side, and a snowmobile. I'm very excited to see what these can do. I think that, um, you know, especially with the ATVs and the side-by-sides, I think farmers could especially put these to good use. And I think that now that this market is starting to open up, we should make sure that there are intelligent tax incentives to help cover the larger price tags of these vehicles. But, you know, even higher price tags will be offset by the fuel savings and less maintenance. I mean, a lot of people buy stuff without looking at the total cost of ownership. But if you factor that in, a lot of times EVs come out on top. Exactly. Rivian is now, of course, a publicly traded company. No longer the $100 billion market cap it was back when it IPO'd in November at $78 a share. Yeah, it is now a $34 billion market cap company. Still think a little overpriced, but I do too. Now, Rivian says that as of March 8th, they have produced 1,410 vehicles in 2022 and 2,425 vehicles since the start of production. 
Rivian is now guiding for only 25,000 vehicles to be produced this year in 2022, down from the original guidance of 50,000 just a couple months ago. Rivian is blaming supply shortages and disruptions. And get this, Rivian also saw a loss of $2.4 billion in Q4. There's also now a shareholder lawsuit filed last Monday accusing Rivian of withholding information about the weird one-day price increase that we reported on last week. Yeah, I think RJ might have forgotten that he's now a public company. And, uh, you know, when you're a private company, you can pretty much do whatever you want. When you're public, you have to report certain things to the SEC and to shareholders before you do them. And uh, I think, yeah, shareholders were a bit surprised when all of a sudden, without any warning, truck prices went up by like 20 percent in a day. Now, is this the end of the world? I mean, the two point four billion dollar loss in Q4. I mean, that's just one quarter. Are they going to run out of money? No. Uh, Rivian is still sitting on about 18 billion dollars in cash, and they claim to still have 83,000 pre-orders even after that price debacle. Ah. Uh... I kind of doubt those numbers, to be honest. I bet a lot of people just haven't pulled their order yet, but that doesn't mean they're going to go through with the order. Even though the price is staying the same? I don't know. If people are like me, that just was an off-putting thing that happened. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people put their order in because they thought the truck was going to come out a lot earlier than it did. Mm -hmm. Now we're really close on the heels of a bunch of other electric pickup trucks. So if you're still waiting by the time the Silverado and the Ford F-150 and the Cybertruck come out, you might just go, OK, I'm going to flip over to one of those trucks. I, I really think Rivian screwed it up by not coming out way sooner than they are. And that fake price hike just adds uh, a lot of mm, uncertainty in the company. Um, and, you know, you throw in a shareholder lawsuit to boot. And I just want to point out those production numbers, I think, include the Amazon vans as well. So I, I've been thinking, oh, well, they're just R1Ts, but I think there's some vans in there. And that's throwing off like our predictions of when we're going to get our truck. Right. Because, I mean, you're a day one reservation holder and we did the math. There's only about 3000 day one reservation holders. So we should be getting our truck uh, any moment. Right. Um, because if, if they're really, truly 2425 trucks already made. Shouldn't we have been called by this point? Yeah, I mean, I was told two weeks ago that I would definitely get a call in the next two weeks. And it's been two weeks, two weeks. But speaking of waiting, if you go on to the Tesla website to order a Model Y, looks like it will take a while. Oof, delivery won't take place till September. But if you want it sooner. There's a little trick. Yeah, what's the trick? Just order FSD and you'll get your Model Y in May instead. It saves four months. But it cost $12,000. I didn't say it was a cheap trick. But uh, how about the Model 3? Well, that's only a month difference if you get full self-driving. And how about the S and X? There's no difference there uh, between FSD and non-FSD. Hmm. So, I mean, this does show that there is an incredible demand for the Model Y. Yeah. Do you think it's smart for Tesla to be... Uh, incentive like super incentivizing you buying full self-driving twelve thousand dollars no i i would have years ago when they needed every penny mm -hmm. but i don't feel that way now and i feel like it makes customers angry i feel like if you're going in there to buy the car and you're like wait you're going to give preference to someone who buys fsd over me mm. i don't know it just makes a, like a sour taste in your mouth don't you think i kind of do but I don't know. I want to hear people's comments. Uh, put them down below. So Xpeng, Chinese electric car maker, 
you know, the one that started by stealing Tesla's autopilot software and copycatting their look. Yeah, that XPeng. They have just opened reservations for their P5 in Denmark, the Netherlands, Norway, and Sweden. They just opened their second showroom or experience store in Europe in the Netherlands at the Westfield Mall in Leidschendam near Rotterdam. So let's talk about the P5 for a second. Europeans can now order it. The first uh, variant will come with five seats, front wheel drive, 66 kilowatt hour battery, and a WLTP range, remember that's fake, Mm -hmm. of 465 kilometers or 281 miles. Upgraded versions should follow. And um, I'm just looking at that experience uh, store. Is that an eVTOL? Can I interest you in an electric vertical takeoff and landing drone today, sir? <laughs> Come on down. We got the cheapest EV tolls. You're going to love them. I, I, it's cool. I, I think it's going to pull people into the stores. I, I mean, definitely. If, if you're at the mall and you go, does that thing have propellers on it? And I mean, talk about if you got traffic in your city. Now you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. Um, okay. Kids stand back. Daddy's taking off for work. So VW has unveiled the production version of their ID Buzz, their electric microbus reinvention. I was so excited about this vehicle before we started seeing the leaked photos of what the concept morphed into. Um, and now we're seeing the actual production vehicle. I've got to be honest, it it looks like an ID4, mm. like under a sheet, pretending mm-hmm. to be. It's like a cost. It's like a Halloween costume mm-hmm. of what the ID buzz was supposed to look like. Yeah, it is kind of disappointing. I mean, according to VW, this will start deliveries in May in Europe. And in the U.S., the launch has been delayed to 2024. So here are the specs we know about so far. It's built on the MEB platform. Uh, You'll get a five-seat configuration first, 82 kilowatt-hour battery, 77 of which is usable, 201 horsepower rear-wheel drive, so not very powerful, more versions to follow, no prices yet, and a six- and seven-seater is coming later. It has a lot of the same capabilities as an SUV. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get the microbus appeal, but it's not cute enough. It's not cute enough. It, the, they, the, it needs more of a flat face like they had before. I don't know. I mean, I know design shouldn't matter that much, but I, they're getting a lot of extra bang for the buck here with the orange and white. But in a regular color, this is just going to look kind of eh. I think that there is a way to fix this. I think that basically that front grill section yeah, is I what don't like looks that. so ugly. Mm-hmm. I think that that very front lower lip of the vehicle, I think that if you could replace that with a better looking thing, and I think that there might be a market for it, I think that that could save the look. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. I mean, some of the prototype designs that we saw looked truly bad but here's my guess the concept that we saw that we love which had that micro bus front mm. i think they put it in a wind tunnel they realized that at highway speeds they were losing too much efficiency and they had to go for this and that's unfortunate because back in the day i mean what a micro bus couldn't usually go beyond 45 miles an hour True. so probably didn't even matter but yeah i'm just i'm just bummed because i was so excited about just like the honda e i was excited before it came out and then i wasn't now same thing here um Concepts always disappoint me unless they come from Tesla. I just, it's so annoying. Let's talk about Chevy's new vehicle. Chevy has teased their upcoming Chevy Blazer SS. SS? Are we the baddies? Super Sports. Oh, that's a poor name choice. Yeah. Uh, Chevy released a video and said Chevrolet provided a glimpse of the all-electric Chevrolet Blazer SS, which will be the first Chevy EV to feature a performance SS model. The all-electric Blazer SS will make its debut later this year and will be available in the spring of 2023. Now, have I seen a Blazer before? Yeah, you know, those big boxy SUVs. Oh, you know what? Maybe you're too young. They made some back in the 2000s, too. Oh, maybe I remember that. I mean, don't they sell them now, too? 
Well, here's a graph of the sales numbers. You can see that there haven't been any sold for like 10 years. I guess this is what it looks like now. Oh, the resemblance is uh, uncanny. Now, I'm sure that I'm not the only one who thinks that this looks like every other SUV on the road today, right? Because that isn't a Chevy Blazer. That's a RAV4. This is a Chevy Blazer. But yeah, I guess we'll have to see what the EV looks like. But here's the weird thing to me. I was alive during the heyday of the Chevy Blazer, and I don't remember being a loved car brand. If I'm remembering correctly, it had really bad reliability and maintenance issues. Yes, but you, you're not keeping in mind that it took place in the past. Oh, and so everyone's so forgotten I about that? I think that back in you know 2008 or whenever they discontinued it, um, they were going like, well, you know, it's not doing that well right now. But here's what I'm thinking. This is a long-term play. What we're going to do is we're going to discontinue it for like 10 years. Everyone's going to kind of forget about it, but they'll still remember it a little bit. They'll remember the past. They'll remember 2008. And they're going to be so happy about 2008. And well, and even before then, that they'll be just so happy to hear, to hear the words blazer. And they'll be so happy. And then that's what's going to lead to sales. I guess, why not just come up with a new brand? Better than a blazer? That sounds great. It sounds so spiffy. It sounds like you're blazing. It's both fancy and rugged at the same time. It's a spiffy thing you could wear, or it's you going through the woods. It's dusty. It's everything you want in a SUV. So the China Passenger Car Association released its numbers early on Tuesday and showed that Tesla sold 56,515 Chinese-made vehicles in February. 33,315 of those vehicles were exported to other markets. So Tesla's total output in February is down month to month by about 5%. But keep in mind, Chinese New Year took place during that month, and generally that affects performance throughout the month. Now, year over year, Tesla is up more than 200% in China. Yeah, at over 56,000 units, it shows that Tesla is holding to an annualized production rate of over 600,000 vehicles a year at Gigafactory Shanghai. In February, EV deliveries in China increased by 180% year over year to 272,000 units. BYD led with 87,000. Tesla delivered 23,000. Now, there has been rumor of a second Shanghai Tesla Gigafactory. And if that happens or if it if there's another Gigafactory somewhere else in China, that could push production rates up to two million cars a year in China. Yeah. I mean, just let's think for a second. If they announce soon and they build build this soon, uh, if it takes, let's say, longer than the last one, let's say it takes 18 months to build. OK, um, then we could be talking about a two million run rate as soon as possibly the end of 2024. So check this out. PG&E, which is the largest utility in California, and GM just announced a partnership to put V2G in Chevy vehicles. And of course, V2G is vehicle to grid. This means that you can basically backwards charge your car. So <laughs> you drain the battery of your car, um, but you're putting that energy back onto the grid. Right. And for the longest time, we have been talking about this on this channel, and we always get arguments back. Well, that can't possibly happen, Zach and Jesse. It can't possibly work. Well, here's a huge utility company and a big auto manufacturer saying that it can work. And they're basically saying, we're going to show you this. We're going to pilot it this year. And then starting at the end of this year, they're actually going to start rolling it out to more and more people. So we could be seeing by the end of this year, real V to G happening. Now, this is different than Ford. And this is amazing that we're talking about this, by the way. So I know. GM and Ford in the same sentence as V2G. Right. Uh, both with electric pickup trucks that are, you know, are on the way. And so the Ford one is going to be able to back up your house. That's V to L, mm -hmm. technically. Vehicle, vehicle to load. To load. Um, it's not connected to the grid. There's a little bit of extra fancy stuff you have to do if you want to 
actually have a grid tied um, battery because it has to uh, be outputting basically the same frequency as mm-hmm. the grid because it's AC. But now we have GM talking with PG&E on how they can make an actual V to G system work. Now, I think that that would mean that they could also do V to L. Um, and we know that both of these trucks should also be able to do V to V, which is, of course, is vehicle to vehicle. Now, it's not that we haven't seen this before. There's a lot of smaller companies working on this. But now to have these two giants in the industry talking about it and actually doing a real pilot program, let's hope it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, this could really pave the way because this could tell other auto manufacturers and other utilities like, OK, we're doing it. You guys should do it, too. And it's really smart to be focused on pickup trucks because they have giant batteries. I mean, I know that Nissan was doing something with the Leaf, but let's face it, a, a much smaller battery pack is less useful to the grid than a honking, uh, you know, pickup truck one. Hey, if you want to share that story with your friends, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel. There we cut up these stories into bite-sized chunks so that you can share them with your friends. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. And... uh my face today is sponsored by Henson Shaving. You know, I made the switch to one-bladed razors uh, a while ago and it really helped my face. And uh, there's evidence of this on YouTube. You can go back. Um, uh, my face has been much happier with a one-bladed razor. And Henson makes it so much easier to use a one-bladed razor. There's no guesswork about angle or anything like that. If you head over to HensonShaving.com, you can use our code now you know to get over 200 shaves for free when checking out with your brand new Henson Shaver. A Proterra-powered Van Hool double-decker bus just completed a, get this, 2,500-mile journey across the southern U.S. last week. The test, conducted by ABC companies, took six days. That seems like a long time. Well, it's a double-decker bus, so it averaged 2,080 watt-hours per mile. Wow. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a Tesla gets about 230 watt-hours per mile. This is about 10 times that because it's a double-decker bus, but right. dang. But it has a 676 kilowatt hour battery, so it could go about 260 miles between chargers. But it could only pull a maximum of 147 kilowatts, which meant that charging times were around three and a half hours. Ouch. Why so low? Well, it must be in how they designed the battery pack. Most Electrify America chargers claim they can pump out 350 kilowatts, which would have reduced the charging time by half. I mean, either way, a double-decker bus with a 260-mile range is impressive. Yeah, it could enable electrified trips from, like, New York to Boston or San Diego to L.A., as well as being a great sightseeing bus. Yeah, I'm really excited that we're starting to see stuff like this. Um, It's just the beginning. All right, it's Going Green, sponsored by EcoWare. And check out these cool bumper stickers we got, also some new T-shirts. Look at you with the... Uh... Tesla bot. Yeah. And if you use the code going green, you'll get 15% off our entire store until St. Patrick's Day. Oh, it's only a couple days away. And I just want to remind everybody that on EcoWare, we work with the Well Done Foundation. Uh, they're a fantastic group that are out there capping methane spewing wells. There's just thousands of them across the country that are just left abandoned by oil companies and they just spew the worst greenhouse gases. So hats off to them. And with every purchase, we help you guys cap a well. So here's the thing. A study in the journal Science found that just the U.S. oil and gas industry emit 13 million metric tons of methane from their operations every year. You can't see this leaking methane, which is one of the reasons why the oil and gas industries can get away with it. If we could see it, the next time you go for a walk or a drive, your view might look like this. Yeah, so the Well Done Foundation is doing something about it. They are actually capping abandoned oil and gas wells that are still spewing methane into our atmosphere. And guess what? Methane is a way worse greenhouse gas than CO2. 
So with EcoWare, we said, how can we make a business out of selling products that create positive conversations and can be positive for our planet? So we support the Well Done Foundation with every purchase over on EcoWare. All right, it's time for Sunspots. Remember we reported a few weeks ago on two Florida bills that would cripple solar in that state, HB 741 and SB 1024. These bills got significant influence from Florida Power and Light Company, FPL, the state's largest electric company. And even though a recent poll in Florida shows that 84% of Florida voters support net metering, well, unfortunately, the Florida House and Senate passed these bills. So now they are awaiting Governor DeSantis's signature, which will make them into law in Florida. Ben Millar, CEO of Florida-based Sun Harvest Energy, said the legislation would allow utility companies to reap profits from energy generated by homeowners who have made the investment into rooftop solar. It would allow utilities to charge excessive fees on over 100,000 solar customers around Florida, which effectively creates a new tax on energy. Ultimately, this bill would rid Floridians of their energy choices, create new fees and taxes, and destroy jobs. Funny that one of the few Republicans in the Florida Senate who is opposed to these bills, Senator Jeff Brandis, who has served for 10 years, happens to be term limited. That's right, he can't run for re-election. He said this about the bill. If the war in Ukraine has taught us nothing, it is that America needs to take control of its energy. It has to be energy independent. In the military, we have ready, aim, fire. This bill is fire, ready, aim. But you know, the latest data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration shows this, that 60% of new generating capacity in the U.S. this year, we're talking 51 gigawatts, will be solar battery storage projects. Another 20% or 15 gigawatts is onshore wind. So let me get this straight. 80% of new generating power capacity being put online right now is solar, wind, and batteries. And yet, Florida's biggest utility company got to spend a lot of ratepayers' money to lobby lawmakers into voting for a bill that decimates solar. It's so f***ing obvious, isn't it? But you know what EIA data also shows? More than half of the 51 gigawatts of planned solar and battery storage within the next two years will be in just three states. Texas with 12 gigawatts, California with 11, and New York with four. So in these states, it's going to be much tougher for big oil and power utilities to lobby for bull****** because so many people's lives are now interconnected with renewables. Now, Governor DeSantis hasn't signed it yet. So Floridians, I'm not saying I'm optimistic, but it can't hurt to let your governor know how you feel. Here's his email address. And if you'd like to get solar on your house, contact our friends at Energy Pal. They can help answer your questions and go solar and batteries for less. And let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. Link is down below. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And we need your stories. Remember to send those in to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Make them two minutes or less. And uh, let's see what we got this week. Tim sent us this video about a short haul EV truck that he spotted in Los Angeles. Okay, so I've seen this truck driving around my neighborhood a few times. I've just seen it whizzing by in front of my house. I'm not sure where it was going. But this morning on my walk with my dog, it was stopped at the gas station. And so I waited for the driver to finish making his deliveries. And then I asked him a few questions about it. And this is a BYD short range truck, I guess designed for making deliveries in like the Los Angeles area. And from what the driver told me, I'm not sure if this is correct. This is just what the driver said. The specs sound pretty incredible. So he said that the longest range trip that he has taken with this truck is he did three round trips from Long Beach to Somar. So Long Beach to Somar and back three times. One way Long Beach to Selmar is around 50 miles. So that would suggest that this truck has a range of 
about 300 miles. And then he also said that when he was done with that trip, he still had about 15 or 20 percent of the battery left. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And I asked him sort of, you know, what was it like on an average day? And he said that, you know, driving it uh, was pretty good. He didn't like it at first. And one of his main complaints about it is that he says it's really slow going up hills. Um, but he did say that usually doing his runs, he still has around 70% of the battery charge left when he's done at the end of the day. So pretty impressive stuff. Uh, I don't know whether all of that is accurate or not, but if it is, electric short haul trucking trucks are already here and they're made by BYD. Now you know. Yes, so I believe this is a BYD 8TT. It came out in 2018 in Oakland and was the world's first commercially available all-electric class 8 day cab tractor. Here are some of the stats. Nice. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And by the way, this week we've got two Now You Know Investor Club stories. Mm -hmm. We're talking about heat pumps. And we're talking about Nissan and ramen noodles. Mm. Hey, everybody, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. And don't forget, if you want to see those stories, go over to patreon.com slash now you know. You can help support us for as little as a buck a month. You get to see all of our bonus stories. All right, who do we got supporting us this week and who needs a shout out? Got Anthony Davidson. Aruma Shibuya. Martin Strilka. Alfred Gomez. Martins Kazamax. Mark Gooker. Ulrich Fisher. Daniel Burns. Jeff Stormont. Karen Black. David Martin Davies. Omar Foster. Roger Jack. Justin Griffiths. Kaza Gomez, Robert Honders Sr. Joachim Stack, Sub-Zero Texas, Richard D. Sago, Thomas Lewis, Doug Davis, Denard Mohammed, Mario Aguere, Albert and Yvonne, and Rick Harold. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. And remember, we want to see your stories. Uh, send them on in to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Spencer sent us this picture of a supercharger at the Wawa in West Palm Beach, Florida, being really badly iced. Time to call that tow truck. Anthony created this. This is his frunk. And those are not real batteries, but those are amazing looking batteries. <laughs> I do like how they're each 200 volts and they're in <laughs> series to make the 400 volt pack. That's clever. Eric filmed these three Rivians being delivered in Ledgewood in New Jersey on Route 46. York sent us these wrapped Teslas at the Salt Lake City Service Center parking lot. Wow. Those are pretty cool. Nathaniel sent us this video of a Jaguar I-Pace he spotted in, guess the country. Oh, I've played a lot of GeoGuessr. Is, this looks Southeast Asian. Very good. Uh-huh. Wow. Laos. Yeah? Yeah, in Laos. All right. That was like the most amazing shot. He was on an e-bike. That's how he got that shot. That was awesome. Manny sent us this cool picture from Boca Chica, Texas. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. That's Look at awesome. that. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what's out there. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Dave coming from Miami Beach at a brand new Supercharger station that was just opened a couple of weeks ago. I'm super excited about this 18 stall setup because it is in the heart of the condo area around here. This is not along a uh, major highway, um, a travel route. This is for urban dwellers and for garage orphans like myself who don't have the ability to charge at their condo. I bought my car about four years ago, a 2014 Model S, and I bought it without having charging at my condo. I figured that I'll just buy it and I'll figure it out. So I installed the uh, charger at my office, which is about 40 miles away. So I've been basically living on supercharging during the entire COVID pandemic. So um, this is super awesome because this is gonna enable a whole series of um, condo owners who don't 
have charging in their garage to actually now own Teslas. And I think this is a brilliant move. So one other cool little tidbit is that I just got back from a six week vacation and I was very concerned about go straight. I was very, uh, very concerned that I wouldn't have any juice when I got back. So I've been reading a lot and everywhere from three to six miles of drain per day. So I turned off all the settings um, for connectivity and I started with a 213 miles. And when I got back last night, uh, I had 97 miles. So I was averaging a little less than three miles a day in battery drain. So if you turn off all the settings, feel free to go away for a six week trip and uh, just don't check every day curious how many miles you have left on your charge because that just uh, sucks up more power. I only did that once during my entire vacation. So um, it all worked out. Because it is one block away from my condo, I'm giving this a 10 out of a 10. Now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. We're out here in Grand Island, Nebraska uh, at Ace. Yeah. Install V2 supercharger uh, with massive truck stuff over here, which has like three restaurants, really nice restrooms, lots of shops that you can get stuff. So I would give this station a 8 out of 10. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Phil up here in Nipigon, Ontario along the Trans-Canada Highway. I've got the um, supercharger station here. It's six stalls version three. Um, there's not a whole lot else up here, actually. There's a, a little information center just behind me here. Um, I believe you would be able to use the washroom there if they were open. Uh, they're only open from, I think it's like 8.30 in the morning to six in the, uh, in the evening. Uh, they're not open right now, so I can't confirm if there's even washrooms in there. Uh, and there's nothing else around me. Um, if you want to eat some food, you'll have to bring it with you while you're while you charge up your Tesla. Um, I would give this supercharger station a two out of ten, only because it's on the Trans Canada Highway. All right, now you know. I'm at the 20 stall version two supercharger at Nevada, California, Marin County off of Roland Boulevard. The superchargers are located behind the Vintage Oaks at Novato Shopping Center. There are two ways to get to the shopping center itself and the stores. Go a little bit south until you see the Vintage Oak Shopping Center entrance. This is a office building. Walk through the doors and it'll pass you all the way through to the shopping center. The second way to go is to Walk to the north, down Roland Boulevard. There's a sidewalk. If you keep walking until you come to the first entrance, take a left, and that will bring you right into the shopping center near the Panera Bread Store and the Seas Candy Store. Other food options at Vintage Oaks includes an in and out with a drive-through and a Hot Monk Tavern beer garden where you can pre-order your meal to pick up before plugging in. I'll rate this charger a seven out of 10. Due to the fact that the shopping is a little difficult to get to and the food options are quite a walk away. However, there are 20 stalls, so you should be able to find one to charge in Novato in Marin County, California.
Thank you so much for filming those. And you can send uh, your reviews in. You can submit them over on our website, nowyouknowchannel.com. All right, what do we got for new superchargers in the world? We've got number 84 in Florida, the 8 stall in Punta Gorda, Florida. The 8 stall in Urbana, Maryland. Number 90 in the UK is the 6 stall at Harrogate in UK. Number 15 in South Carolina in Piedmont. Number 50 in Italy is the 8 stall in Perugia, Italy. Number 36 in the Netherlands is the 20 stall in Deventer, Netherlands. Number 67 in Texas is the 8 stall in Austin at Westlake Hills, Texas. Number 42 in Spain is a two-stall in Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And number 32 in Maryland, 1,294 in the USA. And number 3,300 in the world is the eight-stall at Salisbury at North Salisbury Boulevard in Maryland. Nice. I like when we get, you know, that kind of number a week. Um, That's really like a nice, (laughs) nice number. I I like getting to 3,300 Tesla superchargers in the world. It's amazing. All right, it's time for comment of the week. And this time you got our comment, not from our Patreon, but from our Discord. Yeah, so uh, this came to us from actually our moderator, uh, John, over on our Discord. And he was thanking us for all the content that we were coming out with. If you guys don't know, um, we have other channels. So if you watch a lot of our stuff on Now You Know and you want to watch more, um, we have our Disruptive Investing channel. Um, And that is where we interview all sorts of disruptive companies, the CEOs of those companies to try and glean, you know, information about them. Yeah, like we just talked to the CEO of Canna, which is a company I don't think any of you have heard of. So go check that out because it's kind of mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And we also have uh, our Now Let's Review channel. We also do a lot of content for our patrons at different levels. Um, We just had our live stream uh, the other day where we were talking with uh, a bunch of folks over on uh, Zoom. So we're just like having a real conversation with people. We also do Investor Club bonus stories for just about every company that we interview with. We have like an Investor Club bonus stories where we got to tell you what we really think. Um, It's it's a lot of work. Our editors do so much work. Like I, I do a lot of work, sure. But then our editors have to go in and fix all of my mistakes right. and make something that's watchable. And um, so, John, I really appreciated your comment because I almost didn't realize the amount of content that I had made. Like that day, especially, we had just come off of an interview. We recorded like three other things and, and in depth. So I really appreciated that. And I just want to thank John for moderating all those Patreons who are on our Discord. Um, that's it's a fun place for people to hang out. You're over there a lot. I'm not over there as much, um, but you're constantly like sharing stuff with me and um, giving you feedback mm-hmm. just because I can't be on every platform. Yeah, <laughs> but because uh, we're making so much content over here. But but yeah, we love listening to our patrons and and uh, having discussions over on our live streams and you know we have book club and stuff like that. So um, John, thank you so much for your hard work and and thank you so much for appreciating all. The hard work that we're putting in i know that we put it on different platforms it's just because you know we tried doing you know interviews on now you know and it's like if you were expecting a tesla time news and you got an right. interview it's not the kind of thing that you're going to want to watch so anyway you gotta feed the algorithm yeah, it's so silly but you can go check out our other channels to check out some of the other content you know the uh, bike reviews as well right uh i've been having a great time testing out this stuff i think it's really the future of a lot of our mobility so yeah And thank you to all the names you see going by. Those people are what make this channel possible. Thank you for your support. We're going to see you guys next week. Now you know. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.